Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. Had a whole bunch of people send me this story. It's outrageous. From NPR, uh, but widely reported. A woman whose rape DNA led to her arrest sues the city of San Francisco. A rape victim whose DNA from her sexual assault case was used by the police to arrest her in an unrelated case filed a lawsuit Monday against the city. So the woman had, had gone to the police and said, I was assaulted. And they did the rape kit where they take and get a bunch of samples. And in that process, they came up with her DNA also. And they ran that through some kind of database and came back and said, oh, oh, it turns out she's, uh, she's somebody we're looking for in another crime. But the timing of it makes it even worse because the rape kit was done long before they ran the DNA on the crime because the crime they were investigating that she was arrested for happened long after she'd gone to them about the attack. So during a search of a San Francisco Police Department crime lab database, the woman's DNA was tied to a burglary in 2021. Her DNA had been collected and stored in the system as part of a 2016 domestic violence case. And that's according to the district attorney who said this, and that's the timeline. So in 2016, she went to the police and said, I'm the victim of domestic violence and a sexual assault. And she cooperated with them. And during the gathering of evidence, they got a hold of some of her DNA, which they apparently put into some database. And then, oh, I don't know, 2016 to 2021, let's call it five years. Five years later, a crime gets committed and they run that DNA through a database and somehow it matches up with her DNA which was in the database for some weird reason. Uh, This is government overreach of the highest order, using the most unique and personal thing we have, which is our genetic code, without our knowledge to try and connect us to a crime. That's her attorney speaking. The revelation prompted a national outcry from advocates, law enforcement, legal experts, and lawmakers. And all of the people who sent it to me uh, I, I can't say all of them, but most of them sent and said, check out this crazy story. This is wrong. Advocates said the practice could affect victims' willingness to come forward to law enforcement authorities. And by the way, there's going to be somebody in the audience going to say, Steve, if you, if you don't commit crimes, you got nothing to worry about. I hate to break the news to you. I don't commit crimes. But I'm not going to hand my DNA over and say, here, use this however you like. I'm not going to do that. And we have the right to keep some things to ourselves. Now, I understand that the right to privacy is not spelled out in so many words in the Constitution, but there's an overwhelming feeling in our society, and I believe that the feeling is is justified, to believe that we should be allowed to be left alone. And part of that is simply, I can keep to myself, and I don't have to give up things just because somebody else wants them. So if the government wants to get my fingerprints, they need to have a reason for it. Or, you know, if they arrest me for something and they, they fingerprint me, that makes sense. But if they just came by and knocked on the door and said, hey, Steve, can we have your fingerprints? Uh, no. And DNA is so much more intrusive than that. But the bigger thing like they're pointing out here is, can you imagine if somebody actually is the victim of a crime 
physical assault like this. And they're going to go to the police because they want to report it. And a thought occurs to them, oh, by the way, once I do that, I'm giving up my DNA. It'll go into some kind of database where it can be used forever. And again, someone's going to go, Steve, if you don't commit any crimes, no, that's not it. That's not it, okay? Some of it has to do with just simply wanting to keep to myself those things that are mine. Federal law prohibits the inclusion of victims' DNA in the National Combined DNA Index System. There is no corresponding state law in California to prohibit local law enforcement databases from retaining victims' profiles and searching them even years later for entirely different purposes. So it turns out that they were doing this because there's no law on the books forbidding it. So it looks like there might be a law coming down the pike, as they say. California lawmakers recently approved a bill to prohibit using the DNA profiles collected by police from sexual assault survivors and other victims for any purpose other than aiding and identifying the perpetrator. Local law enforcement agencies would also be prohibited from retaining and then searching victim DNA to incriminate them in unrelated crimes under the legislation, which is pending before the governor right now. The district attorney said the report was found among hundreds of pages of evidence against a woman who'd been recently charged with a felony property crime. But after learning the source of the DNA evidence, the DA dropped the felony property crime charges against the woman. Now, a lot of people are going to say, Steve, that's a good ending. Why doesn't it end right there? Well, you understand that to be charged and arrested and be run through the ringer and then have charges dropped, just because they dropped the charges doesn't undo what happened to you as you got run through the system. So I don't know how long it was between when she was charged and when the charges were dropped, but I doubt that it was instantaneous. The police department's crime lab stopped the practice shortly after receiving a complaint from the district attorney's office and formally changed its operating procedure to prevent the misuse of DNA collected from sexual assault victims, the police chief said. So we can kind of deconstruct some of this. The crime lab and the police are running these information through the system, right? There's a, there's a DNA database that, that they have. And as they do these investigations running this stuff, they come up with a hit. They go, oh, we figured out we solved this crime. They then send all that stuff over to the district attorney's office and go, we've got, you know, we know who did this crime and here's why. And they have all this evidence. Apparently, going through the file, they found this document that indicated that they had started this whole procedure with a DNA match from the victim database. The district attorney actually went and said, we can't prosecute like this. And that's what happened. So the felony property crime charges were dropped. And the police department's crime lab then stopped the practice when they realized, oh, if we get information this way and send the file over to the DA's office and they realize this is what we did, they're not going to prosecute. So the DA is doing the right thing here. But... The question was the accessing of the databases and what they're using the information for. The police chief said at a police commission meeting in March that he had discovered 17 crime victim profiles, 11 of them from rape kits, that were matched as potential suspects using a crime victim's database during unrelated investigations. 11 of them from rape kits 
and 17 crime victim profiles. Uh, the police chief said he believes the only person arrested was this woman who filed the lawsuit on Monday. The woman filed the lawsuit under the alias of Jane Doe to protect her privacy. Uh, the Associated Press generally does not name people who say they've been sexually assaulted unless they choose to be named. So they're not going to give her name either. And you may have noticed I often don't give names either. Uh, just don't. California allows local law enforcement crime labs to operate their own forensic databases that are separate from federal and state. The law also lets municipal labs perform forensic analysis, including DNA profiling, and use those databases without regulation by the state or others. So people often talk about how advances in science and technology often lead to changes in the law. And, I mean, it wasn't actually that long ago in the scheme of things when fingerprint evidence was considered a a newfangled science. And, obviously, they developed a whole field of fingerprint science. And then along came blood tests and blood types, and, and they got more and more accurate with that. And then, of course, DNA. DNA. And it's amazing because even though our understanding of DNA has gotten better and better over time. They've also gotten better at collecting it. And I've mentioned before, I wrote a book about a guy named Timothy Masters who spent 10 years in prison for a crime he did not commit called Drawn to Injustice. And he was exonerated partly based on the fact that they removed and you know they, they, they recovered DNA off the clothing of the victim. And they recovered that DNA 10 years later. And it was what they called touch DNA. The theory is that if you walked up and you grab somebody by their clothing and you, you forcefully touch the clothing and you let go of it, you will leave behind DNA that they can find now. They couldn't find it or analyze it back at the beginning of, of DNA studies, but they can do it now. And using that, they can build a profile. and It's amazing what they can do. I'm sure you also know, with the Golden State Killer case being closed, that they can also, if they get DNA of a perpetrator, and that DNA does not create a match because they're not in the system, they can now run the DNA, and if they can find a relative of the person in the database, they can say, oh, these people are related somehow to this perpetrator. And they can actually figure out the different, basically how people would be positioned on a family tree. Are they siblings? Are they parent-child? Are they cousins? And in the Golden State Killer one, I believe they're using DNA from some of those commercial DNA services. And I remember when those services first started advertising, saying you can learn all kinds of cool stuff about your ancestry if you turn in a DNA sample and let us run it for you. And a lot of people were doing that simply running their ancestor to see what kind of heritage they have. So I always tell people that my great-grandparents all came to America from Finland. From Finland. Now, I like to think that if I ran my DNA through one of those systems, it would come back and say, Steve, congratulations, you are 100% of Finnish descent. (laughs) Have not run the test. And the reason I haven't run the test primarily is that I don't want my DNA in some database someplace that anybody can access. Because a lot of people didn't think about that. And so I understand that some people, um, when they find out that their DNA was used to solve a crime, might go, that's kind of cool. As long as it ain't me. (laughs) 
That's cool. I don't mind solving a crime. But there might be people out there going, you know something? I, I, I didn't submit my DNA for that purpose. And to use it for a different purpose is a problem, I would think. But, you know, I've never read the disclaimer that you probably sign when you submit your DNA to one of those commercial services. But this wasn't a commercial service. This was the law enforcement agencies themselves who have access to DNA that was put in a database and was put there because it was submitted by a crime victim. So the crime victim submits their DNA along with everything else, and they're thinking, oh, the DNA here is going to be whatever DNA they can link to the perpetrator and get a conviction there. But they hang on to the victim's DNA, throw it in the database, and hey, it pops up five years later, connected to something else. Let's arrest her. So she was arrested, charges were dropped, but now she's filed a lawsuit. And the real big issue here, I think, is I've spoken to people who work in the fields that are addressed in these various stories we're talking about right here. And a lot of victims of crimes, especially domestic violence crimes, uh, and especially crimes where they know the perpetrator, don't want to come forward. They're scared to come forward. And that is a natural reaction. Many of them are simply scared. And so the last thing you want to do is throw up another excuse not to come forward. You don't want to put hurdles in front of these people. You don't want to make them jump through hoops. You want to make the process as easy as possible, considering what they're already going through. And so if you tell them, oh, by the way, when you come in, and we do this kit examination on you and hope to find information about the perpetrator, we're also going to take your DNA and stick it in the system just in case you ever run a follow the law down the road or in case you ran a follow the law previously. A lot of people would say, oh, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And it's not that that is the only thing that would be stopping them, but it is a thing. Don't forget that a lot of things in this life and in this world have more than one cause. And so you don't want to be adding extra things to this equation to make it less likely for victims to come forward. So there you go. It was sent to me by Edward, JP, Warren, Hamza, Steve, Chris, Sean, Brad, Brandon, Stephen of the PH, Jonathan, John, and Christopher from NPR, a woman whose rape DNA led to her arrest, sues the city of San Francisco. I'll update you as the story unfolds. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. The only way out is through.